Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. to another episode of the Chicago Audible. It's Thursday, June 18th, which means we're one week closer to training camp since the last time that you heard my voice. Of course, I'm your host, Will DeWitt, and sitting right alongside my co-host, well, virtually, is Nicholas Moriano. And in today's episode, we'll be continuing our annual summer series, Countdown to Camp, with our in-depth cornerback preview. Sorry if I stuttered there, Nick, but it looks like I got an update on our comment section, and I see photos of everyone now in our comments arise, and it took me by surprise, which is cool. Anytime technology gets an update, uh, but besides the fact, how have you been? Been pretty good, Will. Can't complain. It is always nice to get some updates on the the technology there. Yeah, I saw Cliff's picture because uh, Cliff is always like one of the very first people in our chat each and every episode. And I was like, "Hey, look, there's Cliff. How is he on my desktop?" And it definitely looks like uh, we got an upgrade here, which is really neat. But I did want to say before we get started, I did notice a couple of hours ago that we're sitting at 592 reviews on Apple Podcast, and I would love, and Nick, I know you would too, if we can reach our goal of 600 before we kick off our sixth season of Bears coverage. So from two Bears fans to another, if you haven't yet, would you just take a moment to? review our show and Apple Podcasts, because of course, if we reach that goal, we will be giving out a free Chicago Bears jersey of choice to one lucky reviewer as a token of our appreciation. But Nick, are you ready to kind of dive right into the Bears cornerbacks? There's a whopping 11 players that we need to discuss today, so definitely a lot to sift through, so I'm ready to kind of just jump right on in. Yeah, let's do it. All right, so let's go ahead and begin with the very first tier, and we have to start with an all-pro at the position, that of course being Kyle Fuller. Fuller continues to be one of the most targeted players in the NFL. In 2018, we noted that he was targeted the third most in the NFL with 105, and last season, he was the fifth most targeted corner in the league with 99 balls being thrown his way. Last year, you saw his passer rating against go up. Uh, Of course, a decent amount of quarterbacks had better days against him. Their rating went up to 93.3 which is up from 66.6 two seasons ago. Of course, 
That's due to not having nearly as many interceptions in 2019 compared to 2018. Remember, in 2018, he did lead the league with those seven interceptions, but only able to snag three a year ago. So, Nick, I'm curious for you to kind of kick this thing off. What did you see from Kyle Fuller last year? And even though he didn't really pad up the stat sheet as much as the prior season, does that mean that he actually regressed or is there something a little bit more here? Yeah, I don't think it's really that Kyle Fuller regressed in 2019 as opposed to his fantastic All-Pro 2018 season. I think when you really look at it, Will, it comes down to the lack of pass rush and just quarterbacks having a little bit more time to get those deeper passes downfield completed. It's not like Kyle Fuller is just blowing his coverage or anything like that. You did see that at times just between the Bears' secondary, but I thought just watching Kyle Fuller's film – You still saw a lot of the great things that he did in his 2018 All-Pro season. Ability to get out of his breaks well. That's like the biggest thing that I noticed from Kyle Fuller. When he's sitting back usually seven to nine yards off his wide receiver, that's just how he kind of plays it. He has such quick reactions whenever the wide receiver is making a break. Kyle Fuller's right there, and you saw that consistently throughout the 2019 season. I thought there were two plays specifically. There was one against uh, the Cowboys. It was Michael Gallup third down play Kyle Fuller beats him to his curl route should have been an interception but it was just a great play by Fuller and Gallup to really just dislodge the football from Fuller and then his instincts will I think when you have Eddie Jackson back there you're able to take more risks and that's what Kyle Fuller and hopefully Jalen Johnson are able to do in this 2020 season just go out there and make plays and know that your safety, your best, the, the highest paid safety in the league is going to have your back. But it's not that Kyle Fuller regressed. Obviously, the stats were down. There just wasn't as much of a pass rush. But I'm thinking in 2020, he should get back on track. Yeah, you mentioned a lot of things that Kyle Fuller does well uh, with his closing speed, his ability to close that gap because he does. How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it play a little bit more off man compared to what we saw opposite of him in Prince Mukamara. And of course, I believe in the future here with Jalen Johnson being that more press man coverage guy, you're going to continue to see Fuller be that off guy. And what I love about that, uh, A, since he's been in the league now for, you know, entering, I think it's seventh season here coming up. It could be eighth if my, if one of those numbers, it doesn't matter. <laughs> the number is arbitrary. But uh, what I love about it, he's super savvy. He understands what offenses are trying to do. And when he is a little bit further back, he does have a tendency to watch the quarterback kind of bait a quarterback into a throw and then with his quick burst and athleticism he's able to make plays on those balls and that's what I'm excited to see more about a Kyle Fuller I'm not expecting anything differently but there is something that we talked about a lot last week when we were talking about the safeties and in particularly Eddie Jackson and the big question was can Eddie Jackson return to his 2018 form and obviously now both you and I Nick we think it has a strong opportunity for it to happen or at least get close but I believe it also makes complete sense to do the same for Kyle Fuller so he is now entering Fuller is year three of that four-year deal so I'm curious Nick do you think he's going to have another season like we witnessed in 2018 obviously with uh, leading the league and interceptions and things of that nature it is hard to completely replicate but is it possible does he still have that kind of you know gas left in the tank 
Absolutely. I Like I said, I don't think it was really much Kyle Fuller regressing, but to say that he's going to have the exact same number of interceptions, passes defended, um, and all those things that he did in 2018 season, maybe not to that extent, but I think he's going to be pretty darn close. And I think it's really that pass rush that's going to help. And I was thinking, like, why, why wouldn't Kyle Fuller get back to that level? And I kept trying to think of ways what can keep him from getting there. The only really big thing for me was obviously there's there's has to be some continuity with that safety position. You have A. Jackson, but when Tashawn Gibson's maybe the single high safety, does that affect Kyle Fuller to maybe say, oh, should I be a little bit more opportunistic on this play when I know it's Gibson back there as opposed to A. Jackson? He's comfortable with A. Jackson. But when it's Tashawn Gibson right now, will he take those opportunistic plays like he has when A. Jackson's back there? So that's the one thing. Maybe we don't see it right away, but I would st- – imagine as the season were to go on that comfortability the familiarity just with having Gibson maybe playing the single high safety will allow Fuller to really play his game and feel comfortable with what he does best and that's like you were saying those quick reactions those instincts just being able to make plays on the football that was the only reason I came to where Kyle Fuller maybe won't get to where he was in his 2018 form but I'm thinking everything is lining up for him to really get back to being that dominant all pro corner now, I'm curious, when you're watching Kyle Fuller from a season ago, did you see instances where he maybe didn't have that trust with the Kahaha Clinton Dix out there? And that's why you're thinking along the same lines here with the Gibson? Yeah, just because I think Haha Clinton Dix, I didn't think he would be playing as much single high safety. And I thought it would be a little bit more A. Jackson. Still, A. Jackson had more reps there. But you saw Haha Clinton Dix taking some of those reps away from A. Jackson. So I think if it's more in favor of Eddie. Jackson being that guy, that's just going to be better for Kyle Fuller. And hopefully down the line, down the line, along as the season goes on, he'll also feel be as comfortable with Gibson playing that. And it doesn't help that there's no OTAs or may not even be a training camp. So it's not going to help. But I would think just as the veteran as Tashawn Gibson is, it will translate to Kyle Fuller just being comfortable playing his game. Maybe it won't translate early on, though. Now, obviously, each and every year, he is the most targeted corner on this team, and usually he makes quarterbacks pay. A lot of progress does not happen when they go his way. Do you think that's just a tendency uh, and a byproduct of him playing that off-man more, like quarterbacks feel a little bit more comfortable throwing it underneath because there is a little bit of padding, where on the other side, there really wasn't as much in the past until Prince Mukamara and that regression that we saw out of him started to occur because I can see that and that's what makes Kyle Fuller great is that if quarterbacks want to you know get some easy completions underneath to that right side of the field he's usually right there in position to make a tackle to make that a very minimal game and that's really where at the end of the day I think he does have a lot more value too like those are completions he is technically allowing on the stat sheet but when he's allowing it to only be one or two or like a three four yard gain those are items that you can live with with passes over on the perimeter like that. Yeah, absolutely. I just don't even get why he is the most targeted guy. It just doesn't seem like the best plan of attack for an opposing offense. Let's keep targeting Kyle Fuller, a guy that has the instincts to obviously make plays. I just, I've never understood that, but hey, if opposing offenses want to continue doing that, be my guest. Kyle Fuller at some point will make you pay. All right, let's go ahead and we'll hold on. Before we do that, I have one more note here as well. Nick, you had a poll on Twitter on the last couple of days uh, that's ran asking Bears fans if they thought Kyle Fuller is a top 10 corner in the NFL. 91% of Bears fans said yes, 
And I would say I would like to agree with them. But of course, I don't watch as much film on some of the other top corners in the league. I believe Kyle Fuller is a damn good uh, corner. And I believe he's, of course, a huge, tremendous asset for this defense. But in your opinion, is he a top 10 guy at the position? You know, well, before we went live, I told you I didn't have an answer. And I think at this very moment, I still don't know if top 10 and putting Kyle Fuller in there is is the correct move here. I've looked at a couple of uh, websites to see where they had some of the top cornerbacks, just to see where Kyle Fuller even was slotted at. At Pro Football Network, they had Kyle Fuller as 14. And then here are the the 13 other corners that are in front of him. You have Denzel Ward from the Browns, Byron Jones from the Miami Dolphins, Marcus Peters from Baltimore Ravens, Patrick Peterson, the Cardinals, Richard Sherman, Darius Slay, Jair Alexander, Casey Hayward, Marshawn Lattimore, Marlon Humphrey, Tredavious White, Jalen Ramsey, Stephon Gilmore. Those are a lot of great names, guys that we we all know about. But I can't definitively say if Kyle Fuller is better than all those guys because I only really watched in-depth film on Fuller. I can't speak to some of the other guys, and I know they put up great numbers, and that's why they're even on the list in the first place. There's another list I looked at. They had a top 10 cornerbacks. Kyle Fuller wasn't on there. So... I right now, I guess I can't give you an answer. It's probably not what um, maybe listeners are looking for, but I just I would have to watch a lot more film on all the other guys to really give you a definitive answer whether or not Kyle Fuller is a top 10 cornerback. He's being paid like he's a top six cornerback, though, on average annual salary. He's the top six highest paid guy. So we want to see him perform like he's a top 10. I just don't know if he is. There's a lot of good names on there. Now, here's a probably a more important question. Does it matter? No, it doesn't, because Kyle Fuller is a great cornerback for the Chicago Bears. Exactly. And with the collective defensive prowess that this team has, it doesn't matter if he's a top 12, top 15 guy. We know what he have in Kyle Fuller. And like we said, he's a tremendous player. Love that he's still Chicago Bear. I love that he was able to turn his career around because there were moments and times where a lot of fans, including myself, didn't really have bright hopes and aspirations for his future and longevity on this football team, but he shut everyone up and he's really made himself one of the better corners in this league. But let's go ahead, Nick. Let's move on to the other returning starter at corner, and that's going to be Buster Screen in the nickel. Last year's free agent signing came in, earned himself the starting job in training camp, and ended up playing the entire season as the Bears' nickel corner. Now, of course, I would say during that season he had what I'll call mixed results. He had his moments where he was playing well within the defense, but then there were moments where he's giving up big catches. And of course, that does tend to happen when you have the second most cover snaps of all nickel corners in the league. Uh, QBs usually had their way when targeting screen. He allowed catches on 68% of his targets with a passer rating allowed of over 100. Now, Nick, when you kind of reflect on a screen season, what did he do well and what does he need to work on? Because personally, I'm looking for more ball production, only two interceptions in his last 59 games, only five pass breakups last year, which was the second lowest of his entire career. And I just want to see more plays on the ball, which, of course, he needs to be in position to do so, where last year we did see him trailing some guys um, on a lot of routes, especially crossing routes. And he, when you're in that kind of a spot, you're not really putting yourself in a position to make those plays that I'm hoping to see. Yeah, well, you hit it right in the head there with what I kind of saw from Buster Screen. Just going over the film, I would say like after the season ended, I felt good about Buster Screen, what he was able to do in his first year with the Bears. Then you kind of go back and watch those games a little bit more in depth, and you see 
that Buster Screen, he's solid in coverage when he doesn't let his man get on top of him. He's good at staying with the receiver when he does that. And he played pretty cleanly. And what I mean by that is he only had one penalty accepted on him, and that was in week two as an offsides penalty. There was a PI against a second Detroit game, but those offset because he, the, the receiver had a pass interference as well. So he was able to change that big negative from him coming to the Bears into a positive. But he just seemed to me like he was a step slow in coverage. Like you were saying, he's trailing a lot of the times, and there are just big plays that are happening against him. If you go back and watch the Rams game, he only had 16 defensive snaps in that game, but it's almost like every other snap, he's late or he's just not running with a Cooper Cup who's just running a vertical down the seam. It's for some reason Buster Screen's not opening up his hips and running with them. He's just wide open. There's that 51-yard play, and all Cooper Cup does is run straight. There's no jam at the line of scrimmage. It's just a clear release, and that's what you're asking for big plays to happen. And, Will, if you watch, go back and watch the second game against Green Bay, Green Bay basically said, we are going to target Buster Screen. You're not going to do anything about it, and that's going to be fair. It's going to be easy for us. They put Devontae Adams in the slot, and that was it was easy. It was just easy money for Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams. Everyone knows that touchdown pass. Buster Screen was beat within the first two steps, and then there were multiple third down attempts. They're targeting Buster Screen. So that, that maybe is, there's got to be a schematic change for that. You don't want Buster Screen at Devontae Adams, but – He just looked a step slow, and when you look at what the Bears have done since, obviously they signed Buster Screen, but they also drafted a Duke Shelley, and they drafted a Kendall Vildor. He's an older player. I'm like, I'm starting to put these things together, and now after watching the film, maybe it's for because the future they want to have someone that's maybe a bit of an upgrade over a Buster Screen. But he played a good first season in Chicago without having much of a pass rush, so I'll give him that. But I definitely, after watching the film, was a little. Um, less highly of him, to say the least. Yeah, it's someone that, like you said, with more time to reflect and just kind of redigest what we saw. I mean, there's so much wrong with the offense last year. I think there, it's easy to f- micro-focus on what they're doing and letting a little bit more slide on the defense. But now without we're coming in with a fresh start here in 2020, it's good to kind of look at that. And I'm glad you're thinking along those lines because my next question that I had lined up for us here is, of course, uh, screen. He's someone that did pers- uh, persuade Deshaun Gibson to sign with the Bears, so he has that. I know a couple weeks ago he was talking about taking on a bigger leadership role on this team, but there's a lot of corners here, Nick, and you said it. The two that are right behind him, Vildor and Duke Shelley. And I know last year in camp, it really, th- I really felt like that battle was much closer between Screen and Shelley than it really. Th- because I think they called him the starter like what two or three weeks into preseason or just two weeks into preseason and I was so confused because at camp it really seemed like there were games I mean day games there were times in the games as well as times in practice where Shelley was outperforming screen and so to me my question was is he a guaranteed starter this year because I don't think so I hope not I hope they have another competition here because if you just have him as a 100% starter and you don't give a guy like Shelley or a Vildor that opportunity to kind of upseat him, I think you're doing this entire team and this defense a disservice. It's a it's a tough question. I do think when it comes down to week one, um, he will be the starter. I really do. Um, I know Duke Shelley, he got his limited opportunities in that Cowboys game when Buster Screen came out because of injury for a couple of snaps. But I think when when it comes to week one, it probably will be Buster Screen. And I think the Bears are kind of envisioning, what does he look like 
with a better defense around him, quite frankly. Because, like I said, he he held his he held his own at times in his first season. Maybe it helps him out a little bit more now that he has a revamped pass rush. But Duke Shelley's right there, I think. Um, because, like you said, there were a lot of talks about him being the starter. I, I always thought that Buster Screen would start. But it, I think it's a little closer this year than maybe maybe people are anticipating or maybe they're not anticipating. But I think Buster Screen will be the starter come week one. Okay, see, I want to make sure it's clear. I didn't say I don't believe he'll start. I just don't think he should get the job handed to him. I think there should be some insecurity with his job to at least make sure he doesn't get complacent, uh, just because obviously we know what that ha- what that leads to. Uh, my last question here on screen, then we're going to move on. Is his ceiling much higher than what we've seen, or are we about what you see, what you get? Because I don't really envision him having a big jump in store, even with if the pass rush improves to the degree that we're hoping for. I just feel like that his improvement will just be marginal. Yeah, I think that would be correct to say. Even with a revamped pass rush, you're not going to see this guy getting, what, four or five interceptions or anything crazy like that. I think Buster Screen is, you know, who he is. He's a guy that... When he's in the right position, everything kind of goes right. He's going to make plays, but as soon as he lets a guy get on top of him, he's not out of his back pedal. It's over for Buster Screen. I don't see the speed. Um, I think exactly. he ran like a four three something at the combine way back, and you don't see that anymore on film. So he is what he is. But hopefully, a revamp pass rush does help him out a little bit. Yeah, and if you don't have the proper instincts and you're not a confident corner, you're not going to play t- to your fastest capabilities. And I think that's another reason, too. He sometimes is a little bit more uh, in his head, and that's why you're seeing him slow to react uh, from time to time. But uh, the final player here that we are designating as our first tier of cornerbacks is someone that who's yet to take a snap in the NFL. And that second-round pick, Jalen Johnson. We've talked about Johnson extensively on the show since the draft. And, of course, I've been hiding the kid since before the draft, had the Bears taking him in my final mock draft. And, Nick, I know you're really coming around to the potential that Johnson brings to the table. And I know we have to officially replace Prince Mugamara. I already can tell, Nick, you believe that Johnson's going to win this starting job. He has not been designated the starter, but I caught what you were throwing down about 10 minutes ago when you are talking about and you mentioned Johnson. I've re- obviously, everyone knows where I stand because I don't believe that the other players who will get to in the second tier here will beat Johnson out for this job. So for me, Nick, I just want you to make it official. Do you believe that Johnson does win this starting job? And if so, why? Oh yeah, absolutely. I think when when camp whenever camp starts, Johnson will separate himself from the group. Not to say that Kevin Tolliver or maybe Trey Roberson or Artie Burns are bad players. I just think that the upside with Jalen Johnson is just far greater than any of those other guys. Just the change of direction for Jalen Johnson to stay with opposing number one wide receivers. He showed that throughout his entire career at Utah. And just the confidence that he displays on each and every snap, he wants to guard number one wide receiver. That's just who he is. So I think when you put it all together, his football IQ as well, this is a guy that has it all together. The only thing that is really keeping this, or, and we'll have to see throughout his career, is those shoulder injuries. But we've talked to people. We, we've come to learn that maybe it's not something that we should be as concerned about, but he did have three surgeries with the most recent on his torn right labrum in March. So you have to just be cognizant of that as Jalen Johnson's kind of going throughout his NFL career, but he has everything you could possibly want in a corner. And Chris Emma, he actually tweeted out uh, 
earlier today, Kyle Fuller is considered one of the Bears' very best students of the game. And he said Bears secondary coach Deshaun Townsend said it's pretty neat to see the study habits that Jalen Johnson has and questions that he has are pretty similar to what Kyle Fuller would have. And I know we have a sound clip that we'll play in a little bit here that kind of reflects what exactly Johnson is like, what he wants to learn just from the players that he's going to be around. Yeah, is this now the time that you want to kind of insert that little sound clip they passed over to me a couple of hours ago? Yeah, let's do it. All right, here is the soundbite. And so what the uh, folks on that defense will appreciate is that he is, one, always prepared. He's an exceptionally quick study. If there's somebody to teach him, to explain it to him in a way that his mind can grasp it, and I say his mind because he is multi-layered deep. He wants to know the why behind the why behind the two other whys. You know, so you just can't tell him something, oh, this is what you do because that's what, we are, what we've always done. It. Well, is, it, is that the best way to do it? I mean, I just don't think cause that's, well, that's what I've always challenged him. That's what we do as a defensive unit at our school. Our defensive coordinator says, well, I, I don't care about what we've always done. Is this the absolute best way to do it? And maybe what we've always done is now not in vogue anymore. Maybe it's become antiquated because the offenses have changed or things are different. So we need to make certain that we're always looking at what's the best way to do things. That, that's an edict laid down by the head coach. What's the best way to do things? Is this the best way, the most efficient, productive way to do things? And so you will have to be able to explain to Jalen what's the why behind the why because he's looking for it. He wants to know how his job is interconnected with the safeties and the backers on a particular coverage. Well, I have a DN maybe dropping underneath me one time. Oh, good. So I can probably uh, clue him in if there's a formation that I'm anticipating his help on an underneath coverage. You know, he's going to be ready to go. I'm just telling you that. Yeah, Johnson, he's really going to be ready to go. Just like they said, Nick, I love, you know, these kind of sound bites. They really do provide a little bit extra here to the podcast and, I just love it. I was telling you right before we went live, just listening to this, it sounds a lot like Johnson likes to play some of that, you know, 4D chess. Like he is all over the place. He is taking things to that next step. He's always looking for, you know, like they just said, the best way to do things. And maybe just because he did something one way or a hundred times the same way, maybe the hundred and first time you find that small adjustment that makes yourself just a little bit better. It's a great mindset to have, and it's exciting to hear that that's what, uh, you know, Johnson kind of exuberates himself. Yeah, and tag along Kyle Fuller, who's he's just going to learn from him. I mean, I think that's just a great tandem for a young corner like Johnson to learn from, obviously, a veteran and a really good corner in Kyle Fuller. It's just it's setting up for Johnson to have a really successful career in Chicago and a really impactful first year with the Bears. So put that all together, just what he brings to the table. I'm really excited to see what Jalen Johnson can do. Oh, for sure. And uh, speaking of what he can do, let's talk about what we should expect out of him in his rookie season. And it really seemed like you were doing your homework. Pun kind of intended, because I know you actually use this article that I'm about to mention uh, for your final for Patrick Finley's class that you're taking, but uh, you did a really great job. You went in-depth explaining what Bears fans should expect from Johnson in his rookie season, looking at previous uh, first-round corner, dra- uh, corner draft picks as well as second-round picks. So I'm curious, can you kind of give our listeners uh, just an overview of what that article was, what you're expecting out of Johnson during his rookie season, and why so? Yeah, so basically I wrote an in-depth article on Jalen Johnson, kind of what to expect from him in his first season with the Bears. And I looked at 
in the past 10 years, all the corners drafted in the first two rounds. And obviously you're going to see some discrepancies between who plays more, obviously first round draft picks do um, over second round draft picks. And they have more interceptions, things like that. But when you look at Jalen Johnson, he's projected. And I think we both agree here. Will to be that starter opposite of Kyle Fuller. So he's probably going to have a lot more opportunities than maybe some other second round draft picks I've had in years past. So number of games started is probably going to go up from, I think it's 12 what's projected for second round draft picks over the past 10 years on average to hopefully you're, you want to see Jalen Johnson obviously play a full season. So I think Jalen Johnson, instead of looking at him, maybe as like a second round draft pick and putting those averages um, associated to him. I would almost put him with the first round draft picks. That's where he was projected to go from a lot of NFL analysts, a lot of draft gurus, um, per se to be a one of those first round draft picks that have the number of games started interceptions things of that nature and you know what kind of guy you're getting he's someone that covets going up against number one wide receivers he wants to guard Devontae Adams that's the guy you said maybe don't throw that that matchup to him right <laughs> away maybe let Kyle Fuller you know go at it at first but you love that mindset and I just love what the the possibility of him in this defense is what he's able to do just make plays on the football he's great at reading the quarterback's eyes but that's kind of what the whole article was about obviously got quotes from his cornerbacks coach and defensive coordinator so if you haven't already definitely go check it out on the chicago audible website what to expect from rookie cornerback jalen johnson's rookie season I got two things to add to that. Uh, number one, obviously those draft gurus are not like me, who is the actual guru being able to choose this draft pick. Uh, and secondly, if, you know, obviously you don't maybe want to throw Adams and throw him into the Wolves, well, Johnson into the Wolves, but that's going to really determine what Green Bay does just because it depends on what side of the field he lines up on. And so that's going to be something the Bears can't control, but I'm not really worried about it. Uh, we'll see how I feel when we get into this season and what we see out of Johnson on the field. But just from everything that I know about him, uh, what we've talked about in this podcast before and everything else that you're continuing to like uh, uncover and discover about him, I just get more and more confident in his abilities and uh, his potential here, not just in the NFL, but uh, as a long-term answer at the position for the Chicago Bears. Now, up next, we're going to talk about the second-tier guys here on our list. Plenty to get to, but first, Nick, I know we have some more donations that came through this week, so we have to give some people some of those well-deserved shout-outs. Absolutely. We definitely got some donations, and we're going to start with Jacob Sorensen from Minneapolis. Really appreciate the donation. Been to, uh, been to Minneapolis a couple of times. Love it there. Well, I don't know if you've ever been, nope. but at the State Fair, the best thing there, ironically, is the corn. Uh, there's all these fried foods, all these different kind of foods. Corn's the best thing. I really recommend it, even though they won't have it this year, which is unfortunate. Uh, the next shout-out goes to Stacy O'Malley, just from outside the Philadelphia area. One thing that I've always wanted to do, and I will do this at some point, and maybe you're the same way, Will, got to run up the Rocky steps. Uh, got my to. dad grew up. Got to. My dad grew up watching Rocky, and obviously I did too, but that's just something I've always wanted to do, and I'll make it happen for sure. And then we have a shout-out from Don. Don, really appreciate the donation. Thank you so much. And we got a donation on YouTube last week from Brendan Henderson. Definitely didn't forget about you, Brendan. Thank you so much for your donation. Will and I greatly appreciate it. And last, we have a message from our friend Mason West, who is a physical therapist at Team Rehabilitation in Barrington, Illinois, and he wanted me to inform our listeners about his location. Team Rehabilitation in Barrington, Illinois, 
is a physical therapy office that emphasizes hands-on therapy while maximizing performance by increasing strength and muscle activation. Whether your goal is to play pickup basketball in the park or compete for a starting job on your college team, Team Rehab can help you reach your goals. They see everything, post-surgical, nagging pain, injury prevention, performance enhancement, and all ages, such as a 10-year-old gymnast to a 60-year-old runner. Mason West is a former collegiate wrestler and lacrosse player who combines his passion for sport and rehab into one package. Contact Mason at 224-512-7200 or find him on Instagram at dr.masonwest underscore sports PT to begin your journey to be the best athlete you can be. And of course, if you want to get a shout out here on the next podcast, here's how you can make this happen. Either through Venmo or PayPal, we want you to give us your name and where you're from, and Will and I will give you a shout out. On Venmo, you look up the username, the Chicago Audible, should see my name, the Chicago Audible logo. And on PayPal, you can make the donation to chicagoaudible.com slash PayPal. And we want to use this, uh, this opportunity as well to any businesses that want a to increase their exposure. So we ask our uh, we we ask you guys because we have a large following and we want to use our platform to help you guys as well. So you can message us on Twitter at the Chicago Audible, send me an email at nmoriano at chicagoaudible.com. You can do the same for Will, Will at chicagoaudible.com, and we can talk about how we can make that happen. And of course, we're asking for this $5 donation in the first place because a lot of what we do comes out of pocket, the headphones, the the microphones, when we go to cover things, that's all on us, and we just ask for a donation, and in return, we'll give you a shout-out. But Will and I have been extremely grateful for all the donations that have come in for the past couple weeks. You guys are the best fans, and we couldn't do what we're doing without you guys. Well done, Nick. Maybe next week you'll give me some names so I can do some shout-outs too, right? Yes, uh, it was all last minute. I'm sorry, but yes, you're definitely getting some names for next week. So I think I heard I wrote them down. We had Jacob, Stacy, Don... Uh, Mason, and I know uh, Johnny a couple weeks ago on YouTube as well. I don't know if we said his name last time, so I did want to make sure Johnny did hear his name and for his shout-out. But thank you all. Thanks, everyone. But let's go ahead and jump into Tier 2, and let's go ahead and start with a familiar face in Kevin Tolliver. Tolliver is entering his third year with the Bears. He's someone that we knew coming into his very first training camp that he possessed a lot of size, six foot two, 200 pounds, and a ton of intriguing raw talent to go with it. We watched him develop over the last year. We talked about Tolliver just being that potential Prince of Mukamara replacement. It sure seemed like the Bears were grooming him for that role. Of course, the Bears did end up releasing Prince like we thought would happen, but they added a handful of players at the position. We already talked about the one and the front runner here in Jalen Johnson, and we'll get to the other two next. So obviously the Bears were just not 100% comfortable by just handing the keys over to Tolliver, which I think is a good thing, as it would have been pretty foolish to do so. But Nick, did you see any progress in the very limited snaps and reps we saw out of Tolliver last season? Personally, I thought he did look a little bit more confident on the field, but still an easy target for quarterbacks. They're able to hit about 70% of the throws that came his way and nearly 15 yards per reception allowed. But despite that, have you seen any growth on film? You know what? I actually have, Will. I think when you think about Kevin Tolliver as well, he was, you know, going in and out with Prince and Mukamara during that time. So you don't get, a, I would say, a, the best feel for the game when you're going in on defense, when you're coming in and out. 
and he's only had 310 snaps in the past two seasons. Like you said, limited opportunities, but I think he's close. I really do. You see instances where he makes some good plays. I think the one that really comes to mind for everybody when thinking about Kevin Tolliver is the one against Devontae Adams on the sideline. It's just one-on-one. He gets his head turned around, is able to bat away the football. That's exactly what you want to see from a guy that has had limited snaps but is making the most out of them. There was he's really aggressive too. Just kind of watching the film, coming after the ball carrier. There's it, that's consistent in his game. It's not like he's hesitant when he sees that it's a run play. Kevin Tolliver is going to get involved in the run game or in stopping the run, and which is exactly what you want to see from a cornerback. And during that game against the Cowboys, where they had the number one ranked offense, they were supposed to light light up the Bears that night. There, you saw you saw both sides of Kevin Tolliver. You see where Dak Prescott is targeting Tavon Austin on a third down play, and Kevin Tolliver's right there to dislodge the football. And then there are times where he's close. It's against Mari Cooper, one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, is not able to bat down the football. And that happened a, a couple of times in that game. But I think just from watching him, seeing what he's what he's able to do in those limited snaps, what I came with the conclusion was I think he's close. Not that he he should be the starter over Jalen Johnson, but given the opportunity, maybe somewhere else, maybe he could be that guy. Someone that not a number one guy, but I think give him give a guy like him a little bit more snaps throughout the season. You'll see some good things from Kevin Tolliver. I think he's got all the intangibles. He just hasn't had the most opportunities. That's kind of where I was going to get at next when it comes to Tolliver. Uh, if Jalen Johnson pans out as we're expecting. I know Kyle Fuller has this season and the next under contract. What is Tolliver's future here with the Bears? Because right now, it seems like he's just kind of pigeonholed and he's going to be stuck kind of where he is if he remains in Chicago for the foreseeable future. Uh, just because the talent above him, I don't really see him. He's not going to uproot Kyle Fuller. Uh, maybe Fuller, you know, he ends up leaving in a couple of seasons, and that may be. But at that rate, I mean, that would be such a long game for the Bears to play to develop him. But it may be exactly what Tolliver needs. Just curious where you see him fitting uh, on this team, not just this season. If you have him making the roster, we'll get to that later. But, of course, in the future. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting position for him because he's not really much of a special teams player either, so he doesn't really contribute on that area of the game. Only 78 special team snaps. Doesn't get a lot on defense, but if one of the guys were to go down, he's going to be the one stepping up playing that position. It's a it's a tough spot for him, I think, in his future you know, just NFL career because obviously you want to play as many games as possible. Earn yourself a second contract. Earn yourself a you know decent contract. You only have such a limited opportunity in the NFL. But at, right now for the 2020 season, he's your primary backup for either side. So you, you hope that none of the guys were to go down, but he will be your backup. We'll see what happens next season, Will, if he wants to sign maybe like a two-year deal where, again, it's backup money. That might be the best route for Kevin Tolliver if someone doesn't offer him a possible starting job as a number two guy. Because I can't see Kevin Tolliver transitioning to play any kind of nickel role. He doesn't have the body or kind of hip you know, right. flexibility to kind of do that. So he's an outside corner. I just don't know if he'll ever get that opportunity to be that starting outside corner with the Chicago Bears. Yeah, I mean, we were watching it happen. It was like, hey, Prince Mukamara, as soon as he goes, that would be the perfect ascension. And, you know, the plan of action for Tolliver coming in, he was raw, and they gave him a couple of years to develop. 
but just the other moves that they made, it just does not seem like that's going to be the current path. So maybe it's just extended. And again, it really depends on what Fuller does in a couple of years, but we'll see how it all plays out. But obviously it's very up in the air right now when it comes to Kevin Tolliver's future on this team, uh, just due to what is in front of him talent wise. But moving on to some of the new faces, let's go ahead and look two of them together. First off, we have Artie Burns, who had a very strong rookie season a few years ago in Pittsburgh, where he had three interceptions as well as 13 pass breakups. Since then, his performance has dropped off quite a bit. He actually ended up losing his job, only starting seven games over the last two seasons. Obviously, things have not panned out for Burns, despite being a a very high draft pick. We also have Trey Roberson, who obviously ended up uh, with a very long path in the NFL. He had to go up north to play ball in the CFL, ended up becoming a star in that league and the best corner in the CFL, coming off a season where he had seven interceptions. So, Nick, we have two guys with some very unique situations here. You have Burns, who's in a desperate need to get a fresh start to get his career back on track. Then you have Roberson, who is playing some lights out football, but against lesser talent and is hoping to take that step into the NFL. Now, I highly doubt there is room for both of these players on the roster. So, Nick, who are you most intrigued by and who do you believe has the best chance of making the team? I know way back when, when we had Kevin Fishbane on on the podcast, I was rooting for, or I said Artie Burns may have an opportunity to be something here in Chicago, given that he's in a new scenario, put him with a revamped, def- a var- far improved defense, and just, again, a change of scenery could do great things for Artie Burns. But after just coming some time to think about things a little bit more, I'm leaning more towards a Trey Roberson being the guy that the Bears are kind of looking at for maybe potentially something, another backup type of role. But like you say, he's had an uphill battle to get to this point in his career, an opportunity. This is the second NFL team, that, at least practice squad, that he could possibly make. He made it with the Vikings, and now he's here with the Bears. But I think Trey Roberson's an intriguing guy because I remember talking to his DBs or his cornerbacks coach, and he just said that, He's a guy that really can play all positions. It's not just, you know, outside corner. They shifted him inside to play the nickel spot. At times he was playing safety. He has a lot of versatility. And look, maybe your coach is just trying to build up Trey Roberson to the fan base. But it, he seemed very genuine and very sincere with what he was saying and how his game can transition to the NFL. He he did say at, at one point, like, he could be a shutdown corner. And that may be a little bit, you know, outside of maybe what Trey Robinson can actually do, but I'm, I'm curious. I want to see what he can do. Obviously, CFL talent, NFL talent, there's no comparison, but I would I want to see what he can do. Artie Burns has had his opportunity, a former first-round draft pick. It just didn't pan out, and like I said, change of scenery could do him good things, but I'm intrigued with Trey Robinson to see what kind of role he can actually find for himself on this team. Maybe if, like we were just talking about Kevin Tolliver, maybe he leaves after the season. Could Trey Roberson kind of play that role as the backup guy for either side if one of the corners were to go down? Yeah, it's real interesting. Like I said, both are very unique. And with Burns, it really depends on how he comes in uh, with that fresh mindset because obviously he has all the physical gifts, but mentally, is he there? And can he pick up this defense with the limited offseason that they're having and put it all together on the field? And as you've said, and uh, definitely I think everyone would agree, that the transition from the CFL to the NFL, it's never a guarantee. I know that they gave him some very decent money. I believe it was the largest CFL contract uh, coming into the NFL money-wise since Cameron Wake. 
But we also heard very similar things about Jonathan Mincy when he came out of the CFL being one of the best corners, and he didn't even make the team. So both have uphill battles and need to prove themselves. But like you, I think if I if there's someone I would latch on to, it would be a Roberson. Now, next up, let's go ahead and continue with the next two corners here in this tier. Both are recent draft picks by the Bears. We have Duke Shelley, who was last year's sixth-round pick out of Kansas State. Uh, we saw him in camp last year battling with Buster Screen for that nickel spot. And we saw flashes of what he can do in training camp. And then, of course, this year, the Bears spent a fifth rounder on Kendall Vildor from Georgia Southern, who's another very intriguing player in his own right. Both corners, they have their work cut out for him, especially Vildor. Coming from a, such a small school, he's going to have a little bit of a learning curve. Uh, no OTA practices. I do think that's going to play a little bit of effect once we get to training camp. I also, I remember his one game against Clemson, though, that kind of got him on the radar where he didn't even allow a catch. So I know he's able to step up his game and play up to the competition he's up against. But when if you want a little bit more in terms of Vildor, if you need like a too long dinner read version, uh, he's a physical downhill type of cornerback uh, and is a kind of attacker as well for the football. So, Nick, I want to know, what are you expecting out of these two players? Obviously, we know a little bit more about Duke Shelley. We've seen him in action, and we're not going to get our first glimpse of Kendall Vildor until this preseason. But I'm curious to your expectations and if either of these players could potentially be what I'll call a, quote, surprise player this year. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because they both had a very similar pass. They're both outside corners at their respective colleges and now have to transition to that nickel corner spot now in the NFL. And we haven't seen a lot from Duke Shelley, but we again, we've heard rumblings uh, in just in training camp last year. And he played a little bit, a tiny bit uh, in that Cowboys game last season. But Kendall Vildor, he's an interesting guy to me. Um, I know he's just been practicing and practicing constantly with personal trainer Oliver Davis down in Georgia uh, down in Georgia and Buster Screen was actually there as well I think a week and a half ago so I all I see from Kendall Vildor is him putting in the work I don't I haven't seen much of Duke Shelley that doesn't mean that he isn't he's just <laughs> not much of a uh, social media guy but well Kendall is he Vildor, wait hold well, on <laughs> hold on I mean we I know he uses more. social media not anymore. I, I wonder if he still has that video. I have to go look that up now. But I haven't seen anything from Duke Shelley since, and that's probably best for me. Uh, but uh, Kendall Vildor, on the other hand, I've just constantly been seeing him working out with Oliver Davis, uh, just getting things right, just on his breaks, on when to anticipate a pass, things like that. And I also talked to his defensive coordinator at Georgia Southern, Scott Sloan, and one of the big things, I guess, takeaways for me just in my interview with him he, he allowed Kendall just to play a lot of press man coverage. And he said, I never had to take the press card away from him. He was regardless of the team. It's not easy being the one everyone counts on to keep the facility running, no matter the weather or supply chain hiccup. But we get you, Raymond in Buffalo and Maria in Miami, Jules in Minneapolis and Stan in central Indiana, taking control of everything that's under your control. At Granger, we're here for you with experienced branch staff at over 250 locations so you get the product you're looking for. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. That Clemson game you referenced there, Will, he's like, Kendall Vildor has, has, the, has the go, has the green light to press whoever he wants because he trusts him as a player. And like you said, he was he played fantastic against Clemson. So that put him on the map on the Senior Bowl as well. I like Kendall Vildor a lot, but I think that's going to be a great, great 
just training camp battle between Duke Shelley, Kendall Vildor, and Buster Screen. Put them in there as well because I think this is the year where we have to see if one of these guys can uproot them. I don't think it's going to happen come week one, but there are these young, hungry nickel corners that are looking to really make an impact on this defense, but they're in that same kind of category coming from the outside in, but it would be fun to watch if we could go to camp. Yeah, uh, agreed. This would be one of those, you know, battles and not the bottom, I'm going to say middle of the roster. I don't want to say bottom of the roster, but in the depth chart for corner, they're not going to be vying for the top two starting jobs. So somewhere in the middle, but this will be a battle that I would love to watch and watch them. If they're both lined up with the second team defense and if they're going up against the ones, how do they stack up? That's what I wish, you know, if training camp was going to be open this year, what we could be watching for because both of these guys are young, they're talented and they're really intriguing. Like I said, there were moments last year that we came on the podcast as soon as practice was over and we're talking up Duke Shelley. And like, I really thought he was working his way towards possibly starting and it didn't work out for him, but he did have those moments. He did show those flashes that get me excited about his future. And I really think Vildor would do the same this season. If camp was open, I really do. So both of these guys, on top of the battle, I think they need to show some special teams value. I know Duke Shelley only appeared on about 13% of the special team snaps a year ago. Vilder wants a chance to make in his active roster and participating in it. Being a contributor on special teams is a great kind of gateway for him to get his name out there and to get on the field here as a rookie. But again, very similar players in their own right, but yet different because Shelley, he does excel in man coverage and Vildor is at his best when he's in zone. So they both have different skill sets, but are very similar players in their own right. Anything else on these two, Nick? Yeah, no, like I said, I, I wish that would be the matchup. I think obviously we quarterback would be number one, right? Quarterback battle, but that's the one I would really be looking forward to watching. So we'll just have to read about it and hear about it from the bears reporters whenever it happens. Or we get a credential. We don't know yet. Maybe. Hopefully. Maybe. We'll find out. All right. So entering the third and final tier, we have three corners to kind of wrap up here. Uh, first of all, we have Steven Denmark, last year's seventh round pick out of Valdosta State. Big in size. We already mentioned last week, it would not be a surprise if they kind of transition him to give him a shot to earn a spot on the roster or see what he has as a safety. Then you have Xavier Crawford, a sixth round pick of the Houston Texans a year ago, played his college ball at Central Michigan, appeared in four games in Houston before being being cut. He was claimed by the Dolphins off waivers where he appeared in one game for the rest of the season. And now he is here in Chicago. And then you have Michael Joseph, Illinois native, always a fan favorite in training camp, came all the way from a D3 school Dubuque. And now he's entering his third training camp with the Chicago Bears. So he's still sticking around. Now, Nick, obviously these three, they have the toughest road ahead of them towards making this roster. Do you have any favorites or dark horses to land back on the practice squad? I'd be remiss if I didn't just stay to me, it has to be Michael Joseph. There's a reason why he's been around. I wish we could go to camp to see if he's made a jump in his play, but he's someone that's always been a little bit raw, but has shown the Bears enough to keep him around, and I think they should just definitely keep it up again. Why not? Why? I don't really see anything out of Xavier Crawford that gets me you know, excited really all too much, and the same thing out of Steven Denmark. I know we haven't seen a lot out of him. I didn't do a lot in training camp last year. Uh, I know he was had that injury, too, or that fake injury that just to stash him away. But despite the fact, I think out of fight to choose between the three, it would be Michael Joseph. Yeah. And I think a big 
big thing for Michael Joseph, why he's been able to just stick around on the Bears, is his performance in the preseason. He's a guy that takes takes advantage of those opportunities, and that's what the Bears kind of see in him, at the value really, just sticking on that practice squad. Like I said on the last podcast, I think the best case for Steven Denmark right now might be the transition to safety because I just it's a very crowded cornerback room. It really is, and I, I just don't see him really having the – not the competitive advantage, but just an opportunity to actually make an impact on his team at that position might have to be otherwise at safety. And like you said, with Xavier Crawford, you don't, we haven't seen much from him. And I just don't think it's like the bears bring in these guys for a reason for camp bodies, right? They're going to be guys that compete. You see what happens. And then we we always get a bunch of those guys that get signed and then they're gone. They're just, just as soon as that it's, it's sad to say that's an NFL career, you know, possibly ending there, but That's just the reality of the situation. But if I had to go with a guy, it's going to be Michael Joseph because I know that when the preseason starts, that's when he, you know, turns it on. That's when he makes plays. And that's when, um, you know, that's when the Bears see value in him. Wasn't there a guy named Clifton Duck? There was a guy. I'm sure he's still a guy and I'm sure he's still Clifton (laughs) Duck. I don't know what he's up to, but he's not uh, ducking around (laughs) Chicago anymore. No, he isn't. <laughs> no. Okay. All right. So we have some big picture questions and, of course, some over under. But before we get into that, we do need to decide who's going to make this roster and kind of make it official. So, Nick, last week I was. it's a little easier, I think, with the safeties than it was this week with the corners. It gets a little bit more, I would say, dicey just because there are so many players here. And there's only a limited amount of spots, and there's a lot of these guys in that second tier that are – it's really going to depend on how they perform in preseason and what the Bears are kind of planning for, not just 2020, but for this team's future. So what, in your mind, is going to be the final depth chart roster at cornerback? Yeah, so this is a tough one, and I we'll see if this actually becomes reality here. I have seven cornerbacks wow. making the roster. Yeah, so I'm, I'm not even happy saying that number, but I have Kyle Fuller, Jalen Johnson, Buster Screen, Kevin Tolliver, Duke Shelley, Kendall Vildor, and I put Trey Roberson on there. I, maybe one of those guys ends up on the practice squad, but it's I think those will be the seven. That's that's heavy for the Bears. They haven't had seven, I think, since I, I, what I have right here is 2016. I, I know we've been looking at 53-man rosters, seeing if they're, they're actually accurate, but I think I had seven. Uh, the last time was in 2016, so it's something that the Bears don't typically do, and it would be interesting to see if they did it, but those are seven that I have making the 2020 53-man roster. Yeah, it really does depend on that uh, special teams availability because a lot of those core special teamers, as we talked about a few weeks ago on the special teams podcast, it's gone, and they need to find a way to replace them, so it really depends on uh, who at what position stands out, and if they want to stash seven guys here in this roster at this position, you better believe that the people that aren't the starters have to be really solid and consistent contributors in that third phase. I have six. Uh, so I have everyone you have, and the only person I cut out was Trey Robertson. 
And oddly enough, here in my notes, I put, if Roberson balls out, they could try to stash Shelly or Vildor on the practice squad instead, but that's ultra risky to maybe try to stash one of those. You have a fifth-round pick in Vildor. It's hard for a fifth-round pick to get kind of stashed away. People are going to want to kind of claim him off of waivers. And same thing with Duke Shelley. I think he would be someone that would be hard-pressed to get moved down to that practice squad. I do think he would be poached uh, by another team as well. That's why I have them making the active roster. But if they go with seven, obviously Roberson would have been my seventh year as well. So we'll see how it all pans out. But definitely we're both not seeing Artie Burns as well as the other guys here on this team. So I think we're in pretty much agreement here, Nick. Yeah, and I think I retweeted something, Will, before you, before you go on here from Mike uh, Garofolo. NFL practice squads were to expand from 10 to 12 players in 2020. Now there's internal talk about expanding them to as many as 16. I wonder if that were the case, how that kind of impacts, yeah. again, the rest of the roster, not just the cornerback position, but a lot of these lower-end guys that typically would just be cut, maybe now you could stash them on the practice squad. I don't think that is actually um, – no, it's not – set in stone 16 but that's something that they're even talking about and again we we even mentioned last week like rosters could even get bigger so it's like a lot of things are um still being worked out but that's something to keep in mind and we'll we'll do a 53-man roster show eventually and hopefully things are kind of settled by then so we have an accurate kind of depiction of who's going to make the roster yeah uh, accuracy is something we always strive for here on this show so we'll definitely ensure to follow up on that but yeah, if they increase the practice squad, I think the likelihood of poaching, I don't know if that makes it easier, like less or more, because you can have more of your own guys. But if you want someone, there's going to be a lot more people to kind of, you know, more fish in the basket. So it would be interesting to see how teams utilize that a little bit differently. But I don't think I would risk losing a Kendall Vildor or a Duke Shelley at all. I For the future of this team, I think your best your best foot forward is having both of those guys on this team, uh, not just 2020, but 2021. And of course in the future. So we'll see how it all shakes out, um, but definitely some tough decisions for the bears here uh, when it comes to the cornerbacks. All right, time to start off with some over under and Nick, I have uh, set the over under at 10 interceptions for the three starters at corner. So your nickel and your two outside guys. So, so I almost said Shelly. So uh, screen, Johnson Fuller, uh, 10. Ooh, that's a tough one. I think where I haven't projected, uh, we'll go over. I think I didn't have Buster Screen being a guy that maybe will get an interception, but we'll put him in there for, for this one. So I'll go over, but 11 well, for, from those starting three. Okay, I put over an 11 because 11 is my lucky number, <laughs> and I thought that would be perfect. So already rolling just like last week. So this is working out phenomenally here. But how about over under 25 pass breakups for all the Bears corners? 18 last year, just put in comparison. Of course, that had Prince Mukamara in it, so it is a little different. And the team had 28 uh, total in 2018 from the corner position. So I set the over under at 25. We'll go over there. I mean, Kyle Fuller in 2017 had 22, then 21 by himself. And I think he's due for another a big year and add in Jalen Johnson. So, and obviously Buster Screen there as well, or Shelly, whoever you want to put in there. I think it's over 25, though. All right. I put under and I put it at 23. Uh, just to be, I, I thought you would go over. Uh, so I was like, let's play a little devil's advocate here on the show and we'll say under, but. If the pass rush comes back to what we're hoping, I and Johnson being as aggressive as we anticipate him being, 
and Fuller being as consistent as he's been over the last three seasons, it can easily uh, be 25 or more, just like you said. Uh, but the next over-under, I have 100 targets for Kyle Fuller. Uh, it's coming back. I think it's the second year in a row I did this one. Uh, his average is about 109 over the last three years. Last year, I think I was the only one that said under, and he had 99. So I barely made the cut, but I'm setting it at 100 again, uh, over or under. It's maybe setting up for a, a, another over just because of you mentioned it. Well, how he plays a position. He is further away thinking that maybe you can get easier completions on him, but it, maybe you do. And it's a, a short game, but I think it's setting up for another over season. Go right ahead, quarterbacks. Target Kyle Fuller, but I think it'll be over again. Okay. I have under. I have it at 97. Um, that's pretty much identical to what we've seen over the last couple of seasons. My thought process behind this one, Nick, is I'm anticipating the Bears defense or I'm praying the Bears defense sees less of the field uh, due to getting off the field a little bit easier. I know they had some times last year where they found that difficult and the offense doing them some favors and actually uh, having some established drives themselves instead of some of those three and outs that we saw a year ago. So for that reason, I'm going to go under for the second straight season and hopefully uh, correct in that manner as well. Uh, one final over under. I have 12 starts for Jalen Johnson. Uh, I th- think you know where that number came from. I'll start off. I have over. I'm saying 16. He's the starter week one. He'll be the starter at the final week of the season. I, you can say more if you're looking postseason, but we're going to just say regular season starts here. Uh, so over under 12. I'm going to go over 12 and it wouldn't be because he didn't win the starting job. But the only thing that would keep him out of that is if some, you know, the shoulder were to be uh, a problem. But the over, because Jalen Johnson, I like we talked about it. He's, he's legit. He's going to be a great player for this Bears defense. All right, so Jalen Johnson, he's legit. He's going to be a great player for this Bears defense. So true or false, Jalen Johnson will win Defensive Rookie of the Year. Ooh, um, yeah, <laughs> that's that's a tough. There's a lot of great defensive players in this past draft. You have Chase Young that could do some good things in Washington. I'm going to go false. He will not win defensive rookie of the year, but I think he'll be in the running. You know, how like how Eddie Jackson was in the running for MVP for a cup, like six or seven straight weeks. And then it kind of dipped down. You'll have talk of Jalen Johnson being there, but he won't be defensive rookie of the year. Yeah, I have false as well. Obviously, I think it's really possible, especially with the strong supporting cast. Like, if you had to be a rookie in any defense, you would want to be in the Chicago Bears defense. But I do think there are other guys that are going to get a little bit more love and attention, some bigger names out there. But I do believe when it's all said and done, Jalen Johnson's going to be a household name too. But I think close, like you said, I think in the running. I didn't have the words in the running down, but that just makes a lot of sense. So we'll see how close he gets, but prove us wrong, Jalen. Prove us wrong. Go out there and get it because that would be an amazing accomplishment as well. Uh, One more true or false. 2020 is Buster Screen's final year as a Chicago Bear. True. I think we we laid out why. After rewatching some of the film, we we could see what the Bears were doing with draft picks and kind of where Buster Screens at is in his career, but 2020 will be his last season with the Chicago Bears. Same. Someone needs to develop underneath and just kind of take over. It's just best case scenario for the Chicago Bears, whether it be Vildor, whether it be Duke Shelley, someone needs to develop into that role. They can't go in there and continue to sign some of these free agents in the contract. You need to have someone 
house grown, house developed to kind of take over that spot, uh, especially with some of these other contract situations and decisions the Bears need to continue to address in the future. If you can get one of these guys on the rookie deal to contribute for a couple of seasons here at Nickel, uh, that would just really help the Bears as a collective whole. Now, time for our bold predictions. Nick, what's going to be your bold predictions for the Bears cornerbacks in 2020? Yeah, so this one, I had it more specifically to one player. I was looking at Kyle Fuller's stats, and I noticed he's never had a pick six in his career. So I'm like, well, that has to be the bold prediction, but we'll add on something else as well. So Kyle Fuller will have a pick six, his first one of his career, and he'll have a forced fumble, which he hasn't done since 2014 when he forced three fumbles in his rookie season. So Kyle Fuller, I'm anticipating a big season from Kyle Fuller back to that all-pro level. Include a pick six in those stats and also a forced fumble to go along with it. No, not asking for much. I like it, though. I like that a lot. I put two down. One's very close to yours. Uh, One would be all three starting corners wind up having a pick six this year. I thought that was tremendously bold, so that was fun. (laughs) And secondly, Jalen Johnson will have more interceptions than Kyle Fuller did as a rookie. Fuller had four his rookie season, so I have Johnson getting five. Uh, So that would be another great accomplishment for Johnson during his rookie season, if he can accomplish it. So again, bold prediction, but I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility, especially if teams want to try to go his way. Pass rushes air quarterbacks are making their throws a little bit earlier. And we know how Johnson is that word that we like to use sticky in coverage. So he should be in position to make some of these plays. And if his study habits are as strong as we just heard on that soundbite earlier in the show, and that we keep hearing and learning more about, I don't expect him to be a liability in coverage or be lost in this defense whatsoever. So he should be in a position to accomplish that or at least get close to it. And you know what, Will? Just one more thing to add why that could be a possibility. Think of what Kyle Fuller came to in 2014 with that Bears defense. He still got four interceptions, though. Still had a you know a good rookie season. Jalen Johnson is going to be in a far far better position to be an impactful player for the Bears now that he is surrounded with this group, this Chicago Bears defense. So you you can't, it's night and day difference between the defenses that both these corners are kind of starting on. So everything is lined up for Jalen Johnson to make an impact right from the get-go. So if he does that, I'm going to say it right now, I wouldn't be too surprised just because of what he can do and the defense that he's on. Absolutely. Uh, Having a strong Again, supporting casts around you definitely helps. Uh, last but not least, what's going to be your confidence meter for the Bears cornerbacks? I know last week at safety, we were getting into those mid-nines. Are you still there for the corners? I'm not as high on, on the corners as I was the safeties. I think there's just obviously more veteran and established players because, look, we have your factoring buster screen in there, and you're going to put in Jalen Johnson, a rookie in there as well. But... I like this group and I like the depth behind it, especially at that nickel corner position and even Kevin Tolliver. So I'll give it an 8.5 for my confidence meter. Kyle Fuller obviously is, is the guy that raises that up. And then we, we I, look, I expect Jalen Johnson to be good. He's still a rookie though. And then Buster Screen is the one after watching film that kind of brings the confidence a little down, but I like the depth like we were talking about behind him. I had 8.7, so we were very close. I'm just a little bit more positive than you. Uh, I think that just is my uh, little affinity that I have with Jalen Johnson at times. I know, like you said, and we mentioned rookie season, you really don't know what you're going to get until you see it on the field. I wish we had OTAs so you can hear about how he's progressing in this defense and hearing the coaches talk him up. 
but we're just not there yet. But Kyle Fuller, his experience, and I'm just as comfortable in Kyle Fuller in 2020 that I've ever been in him. So that's not really wavering. You mentioned it, a lot of talent, but a lot of it is still unproven, which is still a little worrisome. But I do trust the potential that this team has at the cornerback position. I think the team's going to be able to survive without Prince Mukamara. I think you're actually going to be upgraded from him, uh, no matter who earns the job, at least what I put in my notes, but we all know it's going to be Jalen Johnson uh, starting there week one. And of course, we've mentioned it off and on, but the pass rush getting back to business is going to help make all their lives much easier than it was a year ago, which should only, of course, help our confidence go up another notch. So that's my confidence at an 8.7. Any final thoughts before we wrap up the show, Nick? I'm just uh, kind of interested in i'm the homer though i gave an 8.5 and then you gave an 8.7 you're not the homer on this show for the cornerbacks at least found that interesting but we're high on the bears cornerbacks like i think we should be um i just don't see why maybe be lower than that and maybe if jalen johnson people are not liking what he can do but i don't know i've watched a lot of tape i've talked to his defense coordinator his cornerbacks coach a lot of people thought he was a first round draft pick he's gonna do good things in this bears defense and he's set up to do so just a nickel corner that we need to kind of watch out for because Buster Screen didn't have as good of a season as I initially thought he did after the season expired. But, hey, we're high in the Bears' corners, and I think they're due for a good season back because they have a good pass rush again, and that's going to make all the difference for this Bears' defense. Yeah, it's the it's the gas that makes the engine go. It really is. And I, we've talked about the impact of that resurrection of the pass rush uh, for the safeties, the corners. We'll talk about the pass rush next week, uh, which I'm excited to actually get to as well. But that's going to do it for this episode. I want to thank everyone who watched the live recording or, of course, listening to this podcast around the globe. We really do appreciate each and every one of you fellow Bears fans. Don't forget to help us reach our goal of 600 reviews on Apple Podcasts, and you can support the show by leaving a small $5 donation via Venmo for a shout-out on the next show. Just look us up at the Chicago Audible. And if PayPal is your preferred method, just go to chicagoaudible.com slash PayPal. And if you want to support us in other ways, I understand sometimes you're not in the best position to support uh, us financially. Uh, the other ways you can help support us is just share, share, and share some more. Tell your friends, share our videos, share our podcast episodes, whatever you see from us, just let people know. Word of mouth efforts really do go a very long way. Unlike some of the other bigger podcasts out there that we love, you know, like uh, Hogan John's, we don't have that media money, those advertising dollars that kind of get the word out there. So we do rely on you, our fellow Bears fans, to let people know about our show. Now, we'll be back next week as we continue Countdown to Camp, and we'll be taking a look at the Chicago Bears linebackers, both inside and outside. So will Roquan Smith become a top 10 linebacker? Are we comfortable with the depth behind Roquan and Danny Trevathan? How big of an impact will Robert Quinn have, and how much will he actually help Khalil Mack? And can rookie Travis Gibson earn a role in the rotation? We're going to answer those questions and a lot more next time, but until then, bear down, Chicago. How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? 
plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it.